Welcome to the Central Baptist Victoria podcast. Here's today's message. The scripture reading today is from Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the word of the Lord. So a question that uh, might have occurred to you at this point, and uh, with different, probably with different connotations, is what should I do? Right, anytime we're involved in a situation like this, it doesn't have to be in particular at a church service on a Sunday because it's compassion and you hear information about child poverty and you you see pictures of children who are in great need, but it can be just a simple walk down a road in Victoria. What should I do? It can seem overwhelming at times, I think, right? It can be challenging at times to maybe try to answer that kind of question, to try to come to terms with it a little bit because, oh, for, for a number of different reasons, right? There's so much need, not only all around the world, but as I said, here in Victoria. But also, there is a bit of a question as to what is the Christian response? What is the biblical response to these kinds of pleas, to this kind of opportunity, to these kinds of needs? Today, uh, in our time together in in the Word, I want to try to uh, help us to see kind of the order of things. Because I think when we understand the order of things as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we are then released and freed up to respond. So, uh, in in doing this, I want to kind of address two extremes, okay? The one extreme says this, so do I need to do something? Do I need to go sponsor a child? Do I need to give my money so that God will love me? So that I can become a Christian or a better Christian? And the other extreme, that's one extreme, the other extreme I want to address a little bit today is this. I don't need to do anything because I'm going to heaven. 
Anything else is just some kind of version of salvation by works or a social gospel. Both of these extremes, both of these conclusions, I think are inappropriate because they're unbiblical. And I wanna try to paint that picture, show you why in this time this morning. When we correctly understand the biblical basics, we will experience the freedom to act because we will recognize God's presence and provision in that action. So to do that today, I want to sketch for you two biblical scenes and I want to address one biblical summary to get us there. First, the two, the two scenes. First, scene number one. Imagine with me, if you can, a flowing river, and uh, there's two banks on either side of the river, right? Not a big challenge at this point, right? But imagine that you are with me and with a crowd of people, and you look down in the river, and you see a man standing there. And he's talking. Uh, He's not just talking, just mumbling to himself, but he's actually addressing us, the crowd. And he's saying some pretty um, challenging things. You know this, right? Those of you know the story. This is the scene of John the Baptist and his ministry. This is given to us in, in this particular one is from Luke chapter three. So John, as kind of was his habit, would go from uh, area to area along the Jordan River and he would call people, he would preach, he would set up kind of his camp there and he would call people. The Bible says he would preach and he would call people to repent and then to be baptized. He would tell people that, that we, that the people, his crowd, are on the wrong track that you've got things wrong, you're messing things up, and God is calling you to repent. Repent is that idea of just turning and uh, changing your mind, thinking differently, and particularly thinking differently about God and his plan for you, his desire for you. And so he would call people. He would say, "You're, you're lost unless you come to fix this. The first thing you need to do is come, is repent of your sins, repent of, of uh, all the decisions that you've made uh, that, that are off base, that are in the wrong direction, and then come and be baptized right here, right now, in the Jordan River. Right, and so people would respond. And we get these great stories of people coming into the Jordan, Jordan River and John the Baptist, Baptist baptizing them, right? You don't get the nickname the Baptist for nothing. Right, he would go and baptize them and he would, he, he, he would whoever would come, he would baptize. But what I want you to notice this morning is that that's not all that happens in this encounter. So I wanna pick it up in verse 10. Listen to this, Luke 3 verse 10. This is after the repent and be baptized. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? And he he said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what should we do? 
And he said to them, don't extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. Everyone came and John baptized them, Jews, Romans, priests, soldiers, merchants, anyone. Do you see how the crowds responded after they were baptized? Now what, they said, right? Maybe it's something that you asked yourself as you were listening to this. What should I do? John, what, what should we do, the crowds asked. John t- uh, told them they were in trouble and they responded. And their, and their next question was, well, what should we do? So John responds with, right, again, repent and be baptized and clothe the naked, don't cheat anyone, be content. It wasn't just repent and be baptized and then on your way. It was repent, be baptized, and do good. The people recognized in that moment that there was a response. That after the repentance and after the baptism, there was a a response. That's the first scene. Scene number two. This is a street corner in Jerusalem. So imagine with me another scene. Busy street, large, major metropolitan city, Imagine a gathering crowd because there was starting to be a little bit of a disturbance. Actually, it wasn't a little bit of a disturbance, it was a significant disturbance because it was strange, this disturbance. And by disturbance, I mean the sound of different languages being shouted, well, at least spoken loudly, so that those on the street corner could hear. And so people walked up to where this disturbance was happening and, and started to listen. They, and then when they listened carefully, they, they could hear people talking in languages, in a language that, that you understood. And they were, but they were just mumbling. They were telling a story. They were calling people. You know this, right? This is the story from Acts chapter two. When, when God sent his spirit upon his people in a different way, previous to this time, right, God's spirit had come in individuals for a specific uh, time and for a specific reason. And now as part of God's promises, as, as now that Jesus had finished his work, his death and resurrection, and he had ascended to continue to mediate this covenant between humanity and God, God would send his spirit to indwell all his people to share the good news about who Jesus is. So the disciples found themselves again under the power of the Spirit, passionately, and this is what they were doing in all these languages, passionately declaring this good news. Jesus has done it all for us that there is a way to walk with God through Jesus. Not on our own efforts, not our own works, but Jesus has done it for us. And so they were calling people, all people, to this invitation to respond. And that's what was attracting the crowd. So what happened? 
How did the crowd react? Well, again, let me pick it up in verse 37 of Acts chapter two. Listen to this. Now when they heard this, that is that crowd of people who were hearing the good news of Jesus being preached in all these different languages that they could understand, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, this might sound familiar, repent and be baptized any one of you in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. But again, when you continue to read the story, that is substantial and that is important and that is vital, that is necessary to this process. If we are going to be um, uh, properly following Jesus, that is a necessary part of the process. All of us need to hear this first, that we are lost without Jesus. This is our first response. It's not gonna help for for you to go and sponsor 100 children by yourself. That's not gonna get you to heaven. That's gonna do a lot of good here on earth, don't get me wrong, but Jesus, all of us needs to hear this first and foremost. We are lost without Christ. And this is what the apostles were intent on declaring. We need to hear this first. We need to come to terms with this first. We need to continue to wrestle with this first and foremost. Following Jesus is the priority. But again, when we read the whole story, we get a bigger picture. And there's more. Listen to the end of chapter two. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, to anyone who has need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. Do you see that? Do you see what happens? Do you see what happens when we get our lives right with Christ? There's a response. There's an action. There's a desire that starts to grow. And we see a pattern emerge. First, the submission, and then the response. First, the repentance, and then the doing good. This is clarified for us, taught for us, actually, in several places in the New Testament. But we're gonna look quickly at one summary. One of the maybe more familiar summaries of the gospel in scripture, and that is the passage that John read for us a little bit earlier from Ephesians chapter two, one to 10. So here is a rough and ready breakdown of this passage for us this morning to provide a bit of content, uh, context, as well, uh, not only for the scripture passage, but also it kind of situates and substantiates what we heard in the response of the people to John the Baptist and the response of the people to the apostles. The, the passage starts off by talking about our deadness. We are dead. We have to recognize what that means. All of us, this passage says, we're dead through the trespasses, our trespasses and sins. 
following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. See the hopelessness that builds. You see the despair that is present. We can't do this on our own. We can't make it on our own. Why? Because Ephesians explains to us we are effectively and actually spiritually dead. We have no ability on our own. We, have, uh, we are without ability to respond to God on our own. We are without hope. And we are without the means to flourish as human beings. That's a big deficit. Then verse four, but God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love which he loved us, right? Primarily that love demonstrated through the death of his son, Jesus on the cross. Even when we were dead through our trespasses, right? We couldn't do anything. It wouldn't, wouldn't matter how many good works, how many actions we did. We were dead. We were, we were uh, unable to do anything to earn God's love and affection. But that's okay because God already loved us and so he inclined himself towards us. That while we were dead, while we were still sinners, God sent his son Christ to die for us. You see that connection, right? First is every individual coming to terms with who they are in Christ. The result of that, when we come to terms with that, when we recognize that, and then we respond to this in the same manner that John the Baptist and that Peter said that we repent and then are baptized, then Ephesians tells us we are made alive. We are alive again. We are alive and now we're able to live and now we are able to have hope. Now we are able to to grow in our relationship with God and, as you'll see, do more. So, first we're dead without, with a massive deficit, unable to do anything on our behalf. But God reaches in and he settles that through his son Jesus and invites us into this relationship, makes us alive. Now we have hope, now we have potential. Now we can begin to live and walk with Christ so that we can flourish as human beings and so that he can be honored and glorified. And that's great and that's important. That's the first step, but there's more. Verse 10. For we are what he has made us, created or recreated, made alive in Christ Jesus for good works, right? So that inclination in those scenes that we heard, right? People respond and then they go, all right, this is great. Okay, this, now what do we do, right? That is meant to happen in our lives. That is the result of the Holy Spirit taking up residence and God's attitude towards life. He begins to give us eyes to see the hurt and the need and then the resources to respond. But it requires us to be made alive first. But when we are, then we recognize, as scripture tells us, that we're recreated in Christ Jesus for good works. 
and for good works, not just any general good works, but as, as the passage continues, the good works which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life, to be our way of life. I like how they put that. That's what God intended for us. So when you hear pleas like this, if you are a follower of Jesus, as follower of Jesus, and when we walk down the streets of Victoria as follower of Jesus and we see such great need and we, go, we ask the question, what should I do? That is right and proper. But don't just be satisfied with asking that question. Then you've, you, you and I have to listen and say, what is the good work here, God, that you've prepared me to do? What can I do with the resources that I have available to me? With my time, with my treasure, and with my talents, what can I do? What is the good work, God, that you've prepared for me to do in this case, in this city, in this church, in this world? See, there's an ethic, I believe, implicit in the Christian proclamation. We saw two scenes that bear witness to that. We saw one summary that gives us kind of the teaching in that. There's an ethic implicit in the Christian proclamation, and it's an ethic of response, right? It's not an ethic of works in order to get God's love. The response is after, the life is after, and God, God, what can I do? You've done so much. You've given me the resources. You've given me everything I need for life and godliness. Now what do I do? Romans 12, or sorry, Romans 8. Now I've got Romans 12 in in my head. Thanks, John. Romans 8. um, It begins with this great declaration. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right? That's another summary of the gospel. Right? Because we were dead and God made us alive into Christ, therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the beginning of Romans 8. Partway down the chapter, in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, Paul declares that there's an ethic, and he puts it this way. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors. There is a life that we ought to be living for those of us who have been transformed by the power of God in Christ Jesus, we've been made alive in Christ, there is a life we ought to be living. And that life ought to be uh, signified, declared through good works which God has prepared for us to do. So nothing has changed. This is the order. First, The call is the same, repent and be baptized. Another way to put it, entrust your life to Jesus. Maybe some of you here are listening, watching online, and you're experiencing frustration. You're looking around you, sensing sort of a hopelessness, a growing hopelessness. There's increasing anxiety, there's increasing suicides, all this stuff, increasing poverty. How does this all end? Where does this all, uh, there's, uh, I, I don't see my way through it. This is where God uh, invites you to come to Christ, to be made alive, to be forgiven, and then to be transformed. Because then, and then God's designed us in such a way that his spirit then indwells us and then we can respond 
and we can give and we can sacrifice because we recognize we have the bigger picture in mind. Our citizenship is not here. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of God that is promised to us that we in turn can declare to others, to invite others in that same way. And so maybe you are here and and you're experiencing that frustration and you've never turned your life over. You've never taken that first step. You've been trying so hard on your own, so hard to do good things, to make yourself feel good through through, uh, activities of whatever kind and you've discovered that none of this works. The reason is because there's only one first step to take and that is to allow God's spirit to transform you through your submission to him, your confession of sin, saying I can't do it, your admission that you cannot do it and say God just take my life. Let me be set apart for you. Let me do it your way. Let me be made alive in Christ. And that is step number one. If you've never done that, let me encourage you to take a moment, even right now, as you're listening, to pray, open your heart and mind to God and say, God, just in in using all that language that I just described, I can't do this on my own, I need your help. I believe you've given me ultimate help and final help through the work of Jesus. Please come and take control of my life. If if you uh, have any questions about that or if you've done that even right now, please come and talk to me afterwards because then you're gonna discover what these discovered have before you. What do I do now? Let us help you in this. That's first. But that's not all, Christian. That's not all follower of Jesus. Then we are instructed to do good works. Do good works. More particularly, do your good works. Do the things that God has designed for you. Do the things that God has provided um, a provision, made provision for you to do using the resources that you have available to you. To you. Whether it's finances or whether it's time or whether it's your uh, abilities in different ways to get involved in things. Steward your resources, use your gifts, express your passions, they're yours to do. These are your good works. I can't do them for you. I can do the good works that God has, has, uh, has gifted me to do, but you need to do those good works in light of your response to Jesus. See, this is what compassion wants to do, and this is what's so exciting about partnering with with organizations, or I think of it more in terms of ministries. This is a ministry, compassion is a ministry of the church. Serving and loving and caring for people in the name of Jesus. Giving them uh, physical and material uh, help, but also teaching them and helping them to be made alive spiritually. 
This is why we want people to join us on our Monday market team, so that we can do more than just give out food, so that through our relationships, through our discussions with people around tables, we can share with them not just physical food, but spiritual food as well, that there's hope in Christ. So would you join us in some way? What is God asking you to do? To participate with compassion, maybe to participate on Monday market, maybe set aside that time from four to 5.30 to come and meet and care and love people in the name of Jesus. So as I said, dealing with the extremes, first we need to hear this. We are invited into God's love without being able to do anything. We can't do anything. God just invites us because he loves us. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more. He loves us eternally. He loves us with compassion. He loves us with patience. He loves us with joy. But we are also made alive or recreated in Christ for the purpose of living well, of doing good works. And if you deny this, if you still struggle with this, if you still don't see this connection, this response, then I fear you risk grieving the Holy Spirit in your life because you refuse to express your gratitude for what God has done through your actions to what God has called us to do. He hasn't just called us just to salvation, but he's also called us through salvation to continue to declare that to the world around us, to help people, to care for people, to love people in the name of Jesus. I want to invite our music team back here because we're going to have an option of our opportunity this morning to do both things here. You've got an opportunity as the Lord leads to respond, sign up, commit to helping compassion reach kids for the Lord. But we also, today, have the opportunity to express our gratitude for that first step. For God, through Christ, making it all possible. Because without Christ, without Christ's work, without Christ's uh, invitation, we are hopeless. And as Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, if Christ wasn't raised, if this didn't happen, we are to be pitied above everyone, right? What a waste of a Sunday morning. But he has been. And we are gonna share this, and we are gonna express this, our, our gratitude to God, thanking him for reaching out of love to us and saving us, making us alive. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing a little bit and then we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Would you pray with me, please? Father, to be reminded of the great need in our world is to be reminded of our own great need. To be reminded of our own great need is to be confronted with the claim 
your claim, God, that you revealed to us in your word that you have uh, paid the price for us, that your son has paid the price for us, that your son has made a way so that we could, as human beings, have, be in right relationship with our creator, you, Father, the one we address, the one we cry out to, the one we worship, the one we pray to. And so Father, would you help us, shape us as individuals first, help us to come to terms with our relationship with you, help us to be so quick, those of us who have responded already to you, to be so quick to be grateful to you, to express gratitude. And for those who haven't yet, Father, would you lead us, would you lead them by your love to your son who says, I've done it. Let me recreate you to be the man and the woman that you were designed to be, that you were made to be. Empowered by my spirit, God says, to live and to flourish and to declare that same message and life and flourishing to all those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Podcast.